Andre Knott is here. Buckle up. You are listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zuppi. Fly ball, deep right field. Back is Spencer at the one and two at the Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. So, Zach, what would you say? Days, weeks, months of begging? I mean, just begging. We finally decided to let Andre be on the podcast. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's only done 7,392 of them in the last month. Trying to get ready for the season. I just got done doing one with Percy Gardner. I was going to make that a surprise. I was going to have TJ guess what random Cleveland oh. reliever. <laughs> that should be your new shirts that you look for. There that is was- someone who has a Percy jersey who shows up to a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Is he still? I mean, that was one of the more genuine guys. I've ever yeah. seen in that clubhouse. Is he still such a good dude? Still that guy. Yeah, still that guy. Um, I guess I would say still trying to figure out exactly where he wants to go with the rest of his life, kind of like the rest of us. Um, he told a great story about Bieber today, just how, you know, when Bieber was throwing 90, 91 before, um, and how, you know, they would brag about how hard he threw. And he said, you know, he understood once he got through his career that being accurate was more, was better than throwing, you know, with velocity. He said, I would always brag that I could throw 99. You know, he goes, Bieber would always brag about not walking anybody. And his claim to fame was he was at the minor league game that Shane Bieber had gone like, he got like 100 batters without walking a guy or something. He was at the game that he walked the guy the 101st <laughs> time. <laughs> is that what you, is that one you want to claim or I want to distance myself from that one? Right. I was like, that's that's your memory <laughs> of, of being with. OK, <laughs> I mean, we all got them. We, I got weird ones, too. We were all at Len Barker's perfect game, but Percy Garner was at Shane Bieber's minor league walk. <laughs> when we knew he was he was a human being, he could walk someone. I don't know, like I, I guess because I've watched some minor league baseball before I started doing this job, and um, I I have a curious, and I know we watch a lot of baseball, but at some point in my life, I do want to go back and watch like more double A baseball. And really like get it because and really like watch and be like, do I really see the future a future pro, or, or am I just an idiot like everybody else? I've always thought, hey, maybe I need to do a story on this. Spend a month as a scout. Pretend I'm a scout. Go to the ballpark. Sit there with my radar gun, with my notes, and pretend I'm a scout. Evaluate every player. And come back and keep doing that for a few weeks and then wait a few years and see, did I get anything right? <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Why are you laughing, Teach? Because <laughs> <laughs> we could finally, I don't know, put put something on it here where he's, you know, he's, Zach is someone that will remember all of the things that he's gotten right. And every, every time he beats me in a, in a fantasy draft before the year starts, oh, he rubs it in my face. I just one time I want to, sh- I want him to get out there and to be exposed and show. like everyone else, though, right? Like it's like mock draft season right now. You, Tej, you care for radio? You know how idiotic mock drafts are. It was like the, I remember the first time I had a boss, and he'll remain nameless because I, I can't say many nice things about him. But he was like, you should do a mock draft and put it on our website. And I was like, we work at a radio station. No one comes to our website. 
to read sports, number one. Number two, mock drafts are the most idiotic thing I've ever – and I know, like, I can feel the text messages and tweets. Like, they're dumb. Like, it's like, who cares? Like, like you're just, ah, the, the running back from Georgia, he'll fit good with Carolina. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what's going to happen in the draft. <laughs> I hate him. That's <laughs> that's all. And he wouldn't be – but you know what, though, Teej? I would like it, and we need to find a company that would send you out to do the same thing. Send, we should get, like, four people. And just send them out to watch Double A baseball for like two months, and come back to the story two years later. I think I just throw out all the stats and I just go old school. Like I got a gut feeling about this guy. This guy—he's got a good face. He's got a real good face. You know, he's got great body. That's that's all I care about when it comes to scouting these guys. And then you scout who they date, and that tells you a little bit too. (laughs) (laughs) I've had scouts tell me stuff, man. (laughs) It's that's true. Yeah. The biggest thing, I mean, this organization, especially, like they want to know your character more than anything else, your makeup. The big thing you always hear them say, you know this, Andre, it's like when you come face to face with adversity, how will you handle that? Yes. And your yes. background and your history and those around you paint that picture. We've talked about it here recently. That's why I was, and I will continue to be impressed by every young player that goes through. When they get to the big league level, we had talked about Stephen Kwan. When he got here, he was on fire. You couldn't couldn't get him out. And then he went through a stretch where things were bad. And we can learn everything we can about a guy that just comes up and is great. And that's fine. What happens when you fail? Because especially this sport, more than any other, is about how you deal with that. And you would love to have a guy just come up and hit 350 for his entire career and he never has any issues. But that's not realistic. I... I, I feel like you learn so much about the player by watching the struggles and then seeing how they come out of it. It's a lot like life. And that's why baseball to me is the closest thing to life. You're going to have tough moments. You're going to struggle. Who are you shows up in those moments. And that's why even with this Guardians team this year, I think Quan answered him pretty well. I think, uh, you know, I think with all the hype and just how he, when he had that one bad month, it's funny, we all can say, oh, he had this bad month. And he really, when you go back, he was pretty consistent other than that one month. Um, and there will be another month or maybe two months this year. I mean, we've watched Jose go through it. Um, there's still some questions, marks about this, but I think the way they go about doing this makes sense. They do find out, like, who you are, what you are. Um, I, I don't think you can put a finger upon it. I, I mean, you can't let a guy like on, you know, E6, you know, that hasn't, that's asking about five bucks. You can't go off of what he tells you when it comes to the draft like some organizations like to do. Um, but there is something about finding out who these guys are and what these people are about. I think even – I did a thing with Josh Naylor um, that you'll see during one of our rain delays this year on Guardians Baseball that Zach proudly brought up. Zach, I just need you to tweet about it when it happens, all right? Well, what, so, what network? What channel? See, Ooh. I thought you were going to the – Hey, there's going to be Guardians games on, and I've been told I, I should still be doing them. So, knock on wood, hopefully we don't see how I react when things go worse for me this year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I was talking to – we did this thing with Naylor, and, and I've got a lot of guys talking about Naylor just being the best teammate ever. Now, obviously, that's a you know hyperbole we can run with and everybody can say that, but why do you not say that about a teammate, Right. But they were all, like, explaining why he was the best teammate. Like, Quan and all these guys were saying, when you get called up, Brennan told the story. He's like, you get called up, you talk to Chris, you talk to Tito, you talk to Tony in the back. And then, like, last year it was like Naylor kind of took you in. 
You know, like, this is what time you need to be this, this is what you need to dress, this is what you need to wear, if you need this, if you want to eat. You know, like, he had, like, a litany of things he did with those guys. And that just became his thing. And Bo, his brother, has constantly told me, like, he is the best big brother ever. So in talking to Naylor about this and why he seems to be the best teammate ever, is just, like, he, he makes a big deal about that. And we saw that in the first playoff game he played as a Cleveland Indian when he got pulled out of the game after having two huge hits off the wall of Garrett Cole. And I can't even think of the right hand either. Who'd they bring in for him? Um, Luplo. Yes, Jordan Luplo. And he's at the top step going ape, you know what? Um, in that moment, we all learned who Josh is in tough moments. And I think that's kind of why the Guardians are the Guardians. Josh, I can't put my finger on who he is once the season starts here in a little bit, because he's different, <laughs> but his teammates freaking love him. And I guess that's all that matters. Okay. So we know how Josh handles adversity. How do you think he would handle someone dealing with adversity that happened to him? Cause someone on this uh, podcast might've spilled some coffee near his belongings a few oh, days ago snap. he was he was he was not around so i couldn't say anything but He's i think clean. i think i i think we're okay but it had the uh potential to be pretty bad his his bag of stuff that he had packed was oh, very close five dollars worth of stuff right <laughs> the thing is about him though man um like, and he is the conundrum. Of, I will admit this. I like, like we go into seasons and we all have things that we are, we're working on that are important to us. I have to do a better job of getting the real Josh Naylor out on, on air. And I don't know if he wants me to. <laughs> like, during off season, he is awesome. Um, I think he's, I don't want to say battling. I don't want to make it... It's a struggle for me right now because I have these great conversations with him off the air. He loves my kids. He ran up to my kids at, at, at batting practice the other morning. He gives them hugs like they're his long-lost little kids. But, man, the red light comes on, and he wants Nathan, nothing Nathan at all for, for people to see who he is. And it's it's killing me. to be. It's not killing me. I just feel like in my job, I want to do a better job of showing who he is, and I'm not. But, Andre, isn't that – I think for some of these guys, that's what makes them great because he is who he is off the field. And when the cameras aren't around all that, like it's, that's one thing, but it's almost like you, I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're the superhero, you know, you're putting on your cape and you're going to work and it's, True. you just enter this different mentality. And this might sound weird. I mean, I, you'll be able to read this probably by the time you listen to this podcast, but I've been working forever on this piece about Terry Francona and it's mm. different, but it's similar in that. And we've talked about this plenty of times. He would, he will love every day to talk, to tell stories about how stupid he was doing this or making fun of himself every way possible to throw you off his scent mm -hmm. because if you ask him about his three American League Manager of the Year trophies, if you ask him about <laughs> how he reinvented bullpen usage, if you asked him how you. he how he convinced a room full of 23-year-olds last year to believe that their inexperience didn't matter, 
Right. He wants nothing to do with it. Nothing. And, and it's hard to get real. It's hard to get real. Like it happened again today. And did you sense it or notice it? Probably not. Cause you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in Zach Meisel hell already within <laughs> yourself. Um, and that, that's, and Zach's a really good, Zach is one of the better reporters around, but we all, I do it too. But what did he make the big deal when we went into his office? I'm going to take people behind the rope. But when he went into his office to talk to us after he talked to the team today, Zach, a lot of chuckles, a lot of typical Tito. Like, But I guarantee you, Tito went in there and said something serious as crap and kind of put down, hey, they kicked our ass last year in Seattle. This is, you know, like all the stuff he'll never admit out loud. Now, I don't know this <laughs> for, verbatim. I wasn't in the meeting. I was standing next to you. But I've heard enough people talk that are in those about how he does things. And I, and in knowing him a little bit, he totally screened us though. We get into his office, TJ, you've been in this situation mm -hmm. and he's laughing and he's making fun of DeMarlo because DeMarlo said it was cool to start it because they were missing six people. So that was the chuckle. So no one even asked or tried to find out what his message was. And I was pissed myself when I walked out. And I did a separate interview with him, and I forgot, and it didn't even hit me until I got my Uber. I said, "Damn it, I missed the I missed the main thing because he did it to me again." Well, Zach, so that's why you asked me what was wrong with me, and I told you I needed another coffee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, Zach, you've said it before that there's almost a genius in the way that he approaches, and he he gives off this this like buffoon sort yeah. of all shucks. And, and to, I mean, to some degree, the bad things that happen to him, I don't think he goes out of his way to plan these things. Like, I think some silly things do happen to him. But he knows how to use that sort of stuff to, to make people comfortable and at times maybe get people off the scent of something he doesn't want to talk about. But there's a reason why. Players love playing for him. He makes people comfortable. We, we talked to Will Brennan in the offseason. He talked about how you get up here and you're so nervous because here's Terry Francona a guy you don't want to disappoint just as much as you wouldn't want to disappoint your dad or your grandfather. Right. And so it would be easy to be in your own head and I'd be like, I don't want to let this guy down, but he just has such a way of connecting. And for him to be at the age that he is and still connecting with these younger players that are coming up and we could say whatever we want to. I mean, there are managerial things that Tito does that yes. all of us can say, I don't think I would have done that in, in that situation. Sometimes we're right. Sometimes he's right. Okay. I think you can make that case with every manager in the game. And when you're, when you're focused on one team, you've got your magnifying glass out and you're, you're only focused on the flaws that you see every single day. But the behind the scenes stuff, the, the, I mean, we, we know it and we see it on occasion, but I don't even think being around him every day, you could know just how good he is at managing personalities and people and that aspect of things. So when, Brad Mills was his bench coach. They would have these conversations with players to say, hey, we got to send you down or we're trading you or you didn't make the team out of spring training. And the players would always leave that room feeling so appreciated, heard, yeah. understood that Brad Mills would walk out with the player and be like, wait, just to double check, like you you know you just got sent down to AAA, right? <laughs> right. And Millsy was like, it, it was almost comical. Like, I would have to double check because they felt like Tito ha always had their back, had their best yeah. interests. And, you know, you always hear him say stuff 
Like, you know, we can't always do what's convenient. We have to do what's right. right like those, right. those lines that are so, you know, he, he leans on a lot, but there's truth in it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's he's very smart. I'm glad you said something. Cause like, I'm at that point now going into the season. It's like, I've asked Tito about everything and obviously games will, you know, help. But then to the point now you ask certain questions and you know, answers, he's going to go to his crutches as I call it, the crutches, but they What's usually your favorite do- one. Uh, we don't need to make out our lineup in advance. We need, yeah, Hoysie, we don't need to make up our lineup. It's smart. Yeah, that one. He's done. Oh, that I don't know if we time. have a crystal ball that we can just look into. Yeah, the crystal ball. <laughs> don't ask about who your closer is. Remember a couple of years ago when we tried to go back and forth? You know, it depends on who's available. Who's got? And I'm just like, he. I mean, Boston taught him so much. I. I, I mean, I obviously. I, I think he just knows how to play the media game so well. And what like doesn't piss me off, but like. I got a pretty de- decent relationship with him. And there's times where I have to finagle. Like there's times like I get where like, I'll kind of like hint to him. Like I got to say something and he'll be like, oh, all right. And he'll either give me, and usually in those times I'll get the worst answer ever. <laughs> and I'll be like, I told you what I was like. like he, um, he's kind of genius in what he does. But I think McKenzie told me, I want to say during guards fest, it, it made sense the way he said it. He was just like, Tito doesn't BS you. He's like, the only times he talks to you, it's genuine. And he goes, and he does it to everyone. He goes, if he asks you how you're doing, you tell him. He'll ask you where you ate last night. He'll ask you how your parents are doing. And, you know, and otherwise, it, it, he'll, he cuts it at that. He never just comes up to just have, or like he does us, Zach, where he'll ask like the most random thing about someone on CNN or a college basketball team or, or, you know, chicken that he had in Barberton in 1974, (laughs) (laughs) but he won't just BS you. And I watch him sit at the beginning of that dugout when the season starts, goes out there early as he can. And each guy, and this is a little bit, Naylor has this, Naylor does this on a plane and different types, like where Naylor knows every, you know, every person that helps us on a plane, he's genuine, looks them in the eye, ask them how they're doing. Tito kind of does that before every game with every player on his team. They have to go by him. And there's times I know where he doesn't like certain players or he's not crazy about certain guys, um, but he'll look them right in the eye, ask how they're doing. He doesn't bullshit people, and I think that's what has worked for him best. I, I'm glad you brought this up. I was having a conversation with someone on Twitter, as dangerous as that is. <laughs> and it came up just – that it's a it's a weird thing to say to a player, hey, you're on the team if we can't find somebody better on the waiver wire that we like or whatever. Right. And I think because Tito has been in the position, and he often sells himself short as a, a ball player, he was very good, but he also right. was in a position at times in his career where he was on the bubble. And I think him having gone through those experiences as a player prepares him to deliver that message or just to explain things. And for a player, can you imagine – being told you you made the team and they, the team doesn't tell you that they're okay. Maybe uh, there's a stipulation here. Wouldn't you rather in that position, just the team sit you down and say transparent as we can be, you're on the team. If, and here's the scenarios, here's how it could work out. And maybe I leave that room going, damn, I just want to be on the team. I don't want to have to be waiting in limbo, Right. but I freaking know now I, the team told me what the plan is. And right. I, I might not like the decision, but I'll respect it. I'll respect what they are telling me because at least they're being transparent about it. And I think Tito delivering that message helps. Tito's favorite thing, when you ask him about DeMarlo Hale, his favorite thing to say is he doesn't lie. 
he'll look you right in the face and tell you exactly where you stand. So to go off of what you're saying, TJ, his his guy that does all the and like Millsy is will always be his best friend. Will always have, but I don't think people in Cleveland realize how important Demarlo is. I've kind of I've whispered to Zach a few times, like I don't think everybody gets how important Demarlo is. Like Demarlo is is his guy, <laughs> like just like Millsy was, but he allows Demarlo runs the ship. Um, and Tito, but he lets him do it because of what you just said. They don't lie to guys. Like I, I, I watched a player last year. Um, I'll give you guys a name when we get done recording, but the player had did his job. Um, kind of was like looking back at, at Sandy's high fiving, but he didn't make it to second base. He ended up making it to second base. He scored everybody's high five and everything else. And, under his breath, said just perfectly, your ass better be on second base next time. Or I'm going to take your ass out. And said player kind of was startled, <laughs> kept high-fiving everybody. DeMarlo apologized to Tito for saying and doing that the way he did it. And Tito looked at him and he said, are you kidding me? He goes, I want you to do that every single freaking time. Never got out. We couldn't even catch it on TV. It was caught. I was only... It, it's little things like that. They don't have to embarrass the player. They don't have to, but they honestly tell it. And said player, his ass was on second base every time the ball was thrown to third base on a single the rest of the year. So I have I remember that, though. I think I can guess the player. I think you can, um, too. <laughs> so when when Tito was interviewing for the job, and I we don't have to turn this into a Tito podcast. By the way, have you... It, have we told people this is the Selby's Godcast and you're TJ and I'm Zach? <laughs> they don't freaking care. I'm just right. here for Dre. Ah, uh, stop it. This is my I last. This is the last of my tour. My <laughs> I love that Andre's done an entire tour, but God forbid we get a new A to Z. <laughs> it's how you campaign for money nowadays, I guess. <laughs> Our lives have just twisted and turned. All right, let me ask you guys something. I, like, I, you guys have had this podcast for a while. I enjoy it. You guys obviously sit around. As two friends, it's not two nerds. It's two guys that actually, I think that's the, one of the best things about my favorite podcast is you kind of know the characters and you know who's who feels certain ways about things. It's one nerd. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one and a half. Yeah, there you go. Um, as your guys, your lives are changing. You're a dad now, Zach. Tej is a dad. And he's, he's chasing his kids as they get older. I think for Zach and I, I'll admit, and I really haven't said this anywhere else, um, he got remarried and he's remarried to a family that's got a couple kids and he's helping out with, and they've got, you know, sports. Um, my kids are getting older and I, and I will be honest in the off season. Sometimes I feel guilty because of how much I'm gone during the regular season. And my kids are getting old enough where they're playing sports. Um, the beauty of A to Z was that, and still is like, but the beauty of the beginning was like how off the rails we were and how we, could do one at 8 a.m. or we could do one at 10 p.m. In, in a studio with with a six pack of beer and then do three all in one night. <laughs> like so now, like our timings, it used to be like any time I said I was good, he would we would record. Now it's like I got to be around his schedule as much as he's got to be around mine. So it's uh, it's a little bit more difficult. I'm sure you guys have gone through that a little bit, have you not? Well, I think. I mean, first of all, the thing that made your podcast makes your podcast something everybody wants to listen to is that there's camaraderie, there's history, there's, you guys know each other and trust each other. 
So when you go do a radio segment with some names I almost said but wasn't going to, not that there's a guard up, but you're not going to be as open and forthcoming as you can be with Zach right. when you're drinking a shandy and it's 11 at night. Yes. And, I mean, I feel the same way. I, I've got, you know me, I've got radio hits lined up all week. and Radio killer! And there's not, you know, they're going to ask certain questions that I don't want to answer. They're going to ask certain things that, you know, I feel like I can't be as transparent about. Right. Just because of the medium, because I don't know where the host is going with this, how they'll follow up. So, I mean, it's look. I'm. I know everybody has a podcast these days, yeah. and that's great. There's probably too many, but it, it's it's fine. Probably, but, <laughs> but it's 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 nice to have a spot that I know I can always turn to when I need to get something off my chest. When there's something yeah. I want to say that I couldn't say in some other medium. It's just nice to have that. It's nice for fans to have it if they appreciate it. And, and like, right. I, I'll say this about podcasts. There are too many. Everybody does deserve to have a voice, but there should be, I'm going to take a Deion Sanders uh, thing about the Hall of Fame. There's got to be levels to it. Like, I'm fine with certain people having podcasts, but don't bunch them together with people that are actually, like, don't put, like, I don't work on cars. Like, but you know, like, I can watch a YouTube clip and change a tire. I shouldn't be in the same section as the dude that changes tires for Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> I mean, I went around about way with this, but you guys get what I'm saying. You know what? I I don't even think it's that there are, because I think someone would hear what we're saying about too many podcasts and they would take that as somebody sitting you know, in a basement somewhere who would be doing that in hosting a show. <laughs> that they shouldn't have a podcast. No, I think when there's too many podcasts, it comes from like the big sports entities that create, they just throw two random people together because, Hey, podcasts are popular. Now we need to get right in there with everybody else. I wouldn't, and I do this. I would much rather listen to a fan cast where people have camaraderie and it's entertaining. It's not just about the information that you get, but I want to be entertained. I want to laugh. I want to learn something. I want to, and even if it's as simple as learning the pulse of the fan base and how they feel about a certain topic, I would much rather listen to that. YouTube channels. I have, I subscribe to a ton of fan YouTube channels, not just covering Cleveland stuff, but MLB and all over the place. Yes. I find that to be very pleasant to listen to. But the one thing I don't want to listen to is some radio station that just throws two people together and says, hey, you two go host a podcast after your show is over. And it's 20 minutes of two people just sitting in a room going, yeah, so here's the latest news. Great. That's just an extension of the show. A podcast is an entirely different thing. Yes. And TJ, you know this. The ones that you're talking about, it's usually because they finally finally snagged some company to pay them a couple grand. And they're like, hey, we'll give you a podcast with these guys. We can't give you a show. And it it sounds exactly like that. You you know, like the thing about baseball and why I love this podcast and it has to stay on. Um. All the changes in baseball right now are so we're so it's so pushed to like oh the young kids it, you guys are still a part of the younger generation I just did the Cespedes barbecue guys I love I love those guys um yeah, there there is a young audience that loves baseball still and we are allow we are allowing because of however the game is going for people to say well the, the game is you know the kids darn into the game like that's not true like I, like Matt. <laughs> 
Matt Underwood's son and um, Jim Rosenhouse's sons. They're both early 20s, you know. I get more texts from, like, from Matt's son with, like, quick things from games all over, the, you know, or, like, funny things that he sees than I do from any adult adult. And he is an adult now. I shouldn't call him a kid. I think we do need more podcasts that talk like this because we have so many people shunning us saying that we don't love the game of baseball anymore. And I don't agree with that. Even those kids that showed up last year, Zach, <laughs> with, like, the Jordans on and all the chains and they asked the crazy questions. We That's awesome. You see players tr- – you see who the players truly – are when those guys are asking them questions speaking of which tangent remember so nick michael lachik cut his hair during spring training and rosie and i were talking to him and just asking him like so where'd you go like were you nervous how long did it take it's at this place called reactions with an x and a z and rosie ended up going there to get his hair cut shut up really and he said the guy went way shorter than he wanted, and Rosie's sitting there, and the guy's still buzzing. He's <laughs> sitting, and you know Rosie's the nicest guy. He's nicest gonna, guy in America. And he, he's just sitting there, and like he's taking a little more off. And Rosie's like, "Oh my god, I told him like just barely." And Rosie touch won't it. say stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Rosie, so Rosie's son has long like Mike Clevenger hair, and Rosie tried to convince his son to go come with him. He said no. Nate you will not better. find a father and son who look less alike. No, in America. No, it's true. It is true, true, true. Um, So I, I look, I love podcasts. I hope Zach and I get to do this more often. I really, and we will. We'll find a way. I feel like that Browns beat, man, it beats you down. I call him, I call him uh, Chubby Grossy because I know it pisses him off. It makes me chuckle. Um, But there is something that happens to covering. I mean, I love Hoinsey. And this is look. This is where like Hoinsey is my like I grew up on Hoinsey. I read Hoinsey like you guys did. Um, I consider Hoinsey one of the, my favorite parts of the summer for just for all the Hoinseyisms that happened. The summer, uh, the guy didn't have a his license expired. He did couldn't get a rental car all spring. But dude, he is so pure as a person. Mm-hmm. Like I and like that to me, growing in this business and like like the pure people are who I love. And for whatever reason, he has not let the first, what, 30 probably years he covered the team. They were terrible. Their gar- first 20 years, they were garbage. Um, I think other teams and other people that have covered them, they've kind of become a like the teams a little bit. <laughs> I don't want that's that to actually, That's a really fascinating point. I mean, that. I mean, we've talked about this. I've I've spent some time in Berea over the years, but you won't see me there on a daily basis because it just turns you into someone you don't want to be. It does. I've yeah. told and Zach and I are close enough where I'm like, Zach, you need a week off, dog. <laughs> yeah, like, because I've been in the bubble. You guys, TJ, you know, we all know when you've been in that bubble, there's something. And I don't want to put it like that, but there's something about covering that place that ain't. You turn and good here. Mike Snyder, the nicest man in the world, said it best after Phil Savage left. He was like, Andre, I don't care how religious you are, how good a person you are. After you spend 20 minutes there, something seeps into you. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's just a fog. It's just a, a funk. I don't know. You just walk right through it through the front door so you can just feel it. Yes. I think the thing that I like about baseball, and, and you can't, you, you could, but you don't do it on the radio or in a lot of mediums, it's just, Think about all the different things we can talk about. We started, we had no prep for this show, right? Which we normally do minimum because 
we like to just wing it and it's more genuine that way. And with yes. you, I mean, you're the king of winging it and it I'm sounded. The, I'm the no prep king. <laughs> but, but think about it. I mean, we started with Naylor. We got to Tito. We got to Rosie's haircut. Like, like, and we can cover all those things and we can, we can tell stories and like dig. I mean, we've gone deep on these topics and there are a million things we could talk about. We could talk about our season predictions. We could talk about whether Quan's going to repeat. We could talk about contract extensions, all this stuff. And it's all great. And people want to listen to different topics. But there's something about the Browns that don't do it. It's always the quarterback. Don't do it. It's always it the coach. It's always the owner. And it's and it's the stadium and the roof. Yeah. And that's yes. it. And yes. no matter like how often there's Browns talk on, and I hate that I keep coming back to this topic. Preach. But but there's Browns talk on every single freaking day, every hour of the day. But do you ever hear them like breaking down whether this linebacker was in the right spot or no. why no, Joe talk. Woods defense failed or like things like that? If you're going to talk about things, if you're going to talk about football constantly, can we get some variety? That's all I ask. Yes. And every fan and you just nerded out right there. So there are two nerds there. And that's OK, because you're right. It's the same conversations over and over and over. And it, it makes you almost – you lose your intelligence having the same – like literally the Deshaun Watson talk from like this time last year until he played, which was like 10 months, it was all the same conversation. Just they moved the goalpost from here to here, and it's like we don't have to do it because um, your point is made. And I love football, and you're like you guys both know, but I, I, hate, I hate what our medium is, and so we all have to continue. Um, I am going – I did prepare for something. Because I don't know TJ if he's told you, um, my my thoughts on his top thirty and thirty. Um, <laughs> I'm so pissed at and I'm gonna come start, on my show and criticize yeah, my countdown. Dog, I told this is my moment. Get on, this let's me go. And TJ, so I want to I mean, hear it. Yeah, this is like an Outcast album. Like we got two albums, and then I'm just gonna do the one whole thirty right <laughs> now. Um, I I love what you've put together. I'm so mad. It's a radio station. I get paid. For for by all the others that beg you to come on the radio when they ain't got nothing to talk about and they don't know how to even talk baseball so they make Zach answer three questions and then snicker about something about jerseys <laughs> this is what they should have been doing since you started this and now that we are at the top four there are three left and if your broke ass don't have the athletic yet that's your problem you should do it I bought it for my dad for Christmas I get it for other people if you're nice I might buy somebody um, if they really listen to this conversation and break it down but Give the background of what you've done, please, Zach, because I got some questions, man. I got some questions about your top ten. I even <laughs> you like you can like you can. Yeah, I'll put it this way: I didn't even really go at you about the, the, like everything. Like I can do all the names: Jose Mason, thirtieth, fine. Shinsu Chu. I kind of was like, this. I was like, this might not be good. But he was only twenty seventh. Uh, Bieber being twenty fourth is a conversation, but really, I want to start at the top ten. So go ahead and explain to the people. This mess that you have that has me texting you crazy every week. This is the best because I I have done no promotion of this. I finally tweeted out, I think a week ago, um, this series. And and like it's it's honestly, it's I st- I had the idea during the pandemic. I started it, I think what, during the lockout. And then and then the baseball season came back and I was like, oh, there's a million things to write about and, and the season's happening so quick. I'm just going to stop. And if people want me to continue it, they'll tell me. And they did. So I restarted it. But like I've put, I mean, I, I did a lot of the work during the lockout 
And the rankings, I mean, I said from the get-go, look, you're not going to agree with everything. You're going to be pissed that Albert Bell's here, that Ryan Garko's not on it, that this player's here. And I've tried to stay out of the comments. Like, no one has really tweeted me about it. Like, I've, I've, it's pretty much been out of sight, out of mind, except for, like, every Friday night at 1230 in the morning, Andre texts me, and he'll be he'll be like, why did you have this guy here? And I'm like, what? Who we- who even ran today? I didn't even read the website. Usually <laughs> after the kids are asleep, I've had a couple drinks. Wife doesn't want to talk to me anymore. I'm messing with Zach. <laughs> so, so I, well, can yeah, I, we're well, down. Can I say one thing too, by the way, Dre? Because I don't know if he's bugged you about it, but this dude will just fire off text messages to me. Here's 10 names. Rank them for me. Why am oh. I doing the job for you? <laughs> like, I'm not. I just step away. No, I'm not being a part of this because I don't want someday to be like, ooh, wasn't my list. Zoopy came up with this crap. <laughs> no, you do it. That, I'm not doing it. Teach, you're telling why I love it because he's putting a list together and I get to break it down. I'm like, nah. <laughs> Which, by the way, then you bring it up to Rick Manning, who is not having it. But no. <laughs> but the, the that's best what I do part, for a living. Don't worry, I did that on purpose. <laughs> I get him going purposely. <laughs> I think the thing I appreciate is, and we talked about this offline. It's such good sports radio talk filler, you know. And every radio station in town yes. in July says, "What is it? Summer hack or whatever?" Yeah, there's nothing whatever. to talk about. This is the perfect topic. If you're at the bar, this is the perfect topic. I mean, it's 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 such easy debate. Like we all love to do it. Like who is better, player X or player Y? Um, and so I mean, it, it's been fun. There there is no scientific formula here. You can no. throw out war and FIP and everything you want, but that doesn't that th- there's no way to fairly evaluate everybody yeah. against each other. And there's so no perfect, I'm right. sure my top three will differ from everybody's. Well, I tell you what, people, if you haven't seen it, his top three are not going to have Jose Ramirez, Albert Bell, or Manny Ramirez. So right there, I don't like him. (laughs) I need a drink so I can spit take that. What? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, dude, he's done a kick-ass job with this. I absolutely love it. And I'm not – I've told him this already. I don't have to say this. I think this is something that should be done periodically – Ranking things is a, is a pretty cool thing to do if you do it right. And for me, Zach, it doesn't matter what I think either because I've got my own emotions to it, right? We all have but an emotional That's the tubs. key. That's the key because we're not – you know, it's it, this isn't voting for the MVP and I'm looking and right. I'm saying this guy had a higher OPS and this – it's when you're arguing it at the bar, you're arguing because you have certain memories in your head and I remember Jim Tomey hitting that home run out of the stadium. That guy was unbelievable. He was better than player X to me. For sure. But the, the main and the main thing, we can argue about this as much as we want. My rankings suck. I'm not going to deny that. But the main part was I wanted a reason to write an essay about everyone and to reminisce. Right. I mean, there's been so much talent that's come through. And I had all this material. One of the main ones, I remember I had like, all these interviews about Cody Allen Mm. and I had nothing. I had nowhere to put it. Um, He had retired. I wrote something. And then like a couple weeks later, I was talking to a few scouts who scouted him because he transferred during his college career. He didn't sign with the Indians at first. And these scouts had amazing stories about him. And I'm like, well, 
the guy retired. It's been like a year. Like, what am I going to write about? Uh, the timing doesn't make sense. Why am I writing an ode to Cody Allen three years after he was good in Cleveland? Right. It was perfect for this. And it just yeah. gave me a reason to reminisce. And so I hope people have, you can bitch about Bartolo Colon being 19 or whatever, but I hope people at least can appreciate the chance to, to reminisce and, and rekindle those good memories that well, they have. Well, Dre, Dre, you know better yeah. than anybody. Also, there's something to be gained here by putting together a terrible list because then it gets people no like doubt. you so yeah. mad and clicking yes. every hate clicking every <laughs> article. This dude ranked who, where, <laughs> and the next thing you know, right. Meisel's got all these comments. He's got it, and he's he's just oh, I don't know. I didn't even check the site today. Oh he's yeah, just, he's so like I didn't know. Lights the match, <laughs> walks away, and then just everyone else, and he just reaps the rewards of everybody being upset with his rankings. It's the problem with media and writers letting me have their phone number. <laughs> like honestly, because it's like I can't. I won't go on Twitter and say I used to like like with Camino. I can still mess with, and even sometimes Zach Jackson, where I can. I can tweet and we can kind of needle each other. But now every time Dick and Harry wants to jump in and give their own personal two cents, that it takes away that, you guys know, like that vibe of just being able to poke each other. So now it's like the midnight text of, I don't know about that. But see, even looking at it, because if I had to do the same thing, I couldn't get this right either. But you putting Victor Martinez 17th to Sandy Alomar Jr. 16th makes me feel that you are comparing catchers. And before you knew it, they end up slapped together. Because you didn't want to, you didn't want to put them too far apart from each other. It's just a guess from me looking at this and studying it, right? And then Carlos Santana was a little lower because he played a couple more bases. I mean, look at I think Cologne, Nagy, Cliff Lee, and Carrasco yep. are yep. all in order. I could not differentiate between those four pitchers for the life of me because they all have. Like Nagy had the worst stuff of the four. He had a few yeah. years where he got beat around. But damn, was he good early right. on? And then he pitched when everyone was juiced, and he's still throwing right. 87. What's he supposed right. to do? Well, so here's, it's, it's, it's not scientific. No. But, Tej, my thing has been this. And, and this is my glitch. We all have our glitches with how we would do this. My glitch is I want to rank guys from the 90s before the team really ever won. Mm. I want them ranked a little higher because I feel like they bulldozed. They, they opened up these trends, right? Like – so for that, like we'll use Nagy for example. Yeah, his numbers are bad at times, but if you go through what he did when they moved into Jacobs Field, and with 15 wins every single year, um, he kind of made it okay for the hitting Indians to have a pitcher. He was that number one, and, and I don't gotta sell it to you guys. You know, like we all have our reasoning behind it. Um, Bartolo would be pretty. Like Cookie is a hard one for me. Cliff Lee is a, 21 is a good number, but for me. It's what you want to remember about Cliff Lee, right? Do you want to remember him throwing his glove into the into the into the in Toronto? I think it was threw his glove up into the stands, or when he that year after the playoffs, he was damn near unhittable his last season. It's hard. It is hard. I will give you that. But in my eyes, Jose, in my eyes, Albert Bell, Jose, I would have to be in the top two. So. Longevity plays a role in this too. I, that that's what made it so tough for me because Roberto Elmar is the best second baseman I've ever seen, but he was here yeah. three years. So should he be ahead of Jim Tomey, who was your prototypical power hitting first yeah. baseman, but was really good at it for eleven years or so, twelve years? I wouldn't say over Tomey, but I would say to his two years, two of his three years were two of the best 
seasons of baseball I had ever seen. Yeah. So well so he, You know what I mean? Like he played for two seasons. Roberto Alomar was a wizard like we had never seen before. And it's unfortunate we didn't get to see him and Omar together longer in their primes. I think, and like I was a kid, we were all kids. It was a blur. I would pay good money as an adult to watch those two really play. And so I guess like with Roberto, yeah, he doesn't have longevity as an Indian, but he would go a little bit higher because his two years were probably better. Like Albert Bell's 50-50 season. How do we, like, what do you acquaint to that? Like, and I, and I don't hate Jim Tomey. I love Jim Tomey, but he came after Albert Bell he was able to start just like Manny. He was able to start at the bottom of the lineup, move his way up. The longevity part absolutely puts him in the top, top, top four, top foot, top three. Um, but Albert did things we had never seen before in Cleveland or anywhere. I mean, it was like if he gets the MVP that he rightfully deserved over mm-hmm. Mo Vaughn, what does that change? I mean, if he doesn't, if his, I mean, honestly, like if he didn't have hip issues and played like three more years, he's probably right. a Hall of Famer. Right. And, and, and Rick Manning, we brought that up to Rick Manning. He said, Kirby, and, and I went and looked, he's like, look at Kirby Puckett's numbers compared to Albert's. He goes, but Kirby Puckett made people happy and made people smile and did win a world series. Like, I don't want to, and that's the thing about this. I don't want to degrade Kirby Puckett or anyone else. Um, but the Albert one is hard. The Albert, I guess Jose's hard for me because, well, shit, we live it. <laughs> like, we yeah. See it. He'll be number one before long. Right. And Lindor. Lindor was number seven. And and this isn't a criticism, but so you go Grady Sizemore at 10, Omar Vizquel at nine, CeCe at eighth, Frankie. I call him Frankie. I'm going to call him Frankie now. At seven, Albert at six, Corey Kluber at five. I mean, there's no wrong in this, but I've struggled with Corey Kluber, and I've told, and I, I don't know where to put him. I don't the know. First, how the first time I did this, I had him either first or second. And this is what I mean by, like, the, t- the thing that made this so difficult is longevity. I, I think it's a completely different conversation and probably easier to answer if – what if we ranked just by the player's ability at their peak? Wow. Albert Bell's one. Corey yeah. Kluber's probably two. No doubt. No doubt. And CC, well, CC's hard for me, too. I think he's top five. If you just, if you, if TJ, you, you and myself, we sat down at a bar, TJ ordered drinks, and you said that we were going to do this, in my mind, CC Sabathia would be top five already. And I'm not saying you're wrong, because as I look at it, I kind of, I'm like, eh. But initial thought, I have CC really high up. I think what sucks too is like so many of these careers. I want to see what CC's full resume looks like if he spends most of it in Cleveland. I yeah. want to see what Albert Bell's full resume looks like if he doesn't go to Chicago. Manny, if he doesn't go to Boston. And this isn't, I'm not playing the ownership thing here, but I, you know, it's, it's, in a lot of instances, like Tommy, Tommy's first maybe on this list or second on this list because he just played here longer. It's it's not <laughs> that's see, not that's, certain players. That's a conundrum. But how do you not? Yeah. You can't knock a guy for that too. It's like how do you take something away? We, we talk about this with Hall of Fame voting. Well, the guy was a compiler. Well, that also meant someone wanted to pay him when he was forty-two years old to do something. Right. No doubt. 
How do you no take doubt. away from that? You, you got to balance it. The nice thing is, Zach and I have talked about this a lot, that with the the way stats have exploded in the game, it's great for evaluation. I, I don't want to sit there and try to think about what a free agent contract should look like for somebody, what a what an extension for Andre Semenez should look like with no statistics, nothing to back it up. I don't want to I don't want to be doing that. But as you said, Dre, if you and I are sitting down at the bar, I kind of want to put away fan graphs. You know, we could open yeah. it up. I could just go, you know, we could have a conversation. Who was better between these two? And if I just pull it up, I sort the thing by war and I go, oh, well, it's Robbie Alomar. And then the conversation's over. We didn't have any fun debating this. Right. No. So this is where advanced stats have absolutely been a, a positive, a, a net positive for the sport. But there are things about it where it's fun to just have more of a subjective con- subjective conversation about player rankings, how you'd put this together. And the other thing that just blows me away, how many star players that Cleveland has had over this stretch. Yeah. And in the times where I mentally did this, where I didn't tell Zach what my list would have been, but I at least <laughs> did the mental gymnastics to try to put it together, there were so many times where I would go, oh, clearly, you know, Kluber, clearly he's got to be up here. And then you look at who else is still there, and you go, how in the hell do I put him above right. Tommy? Who was, you know, who's, Tommy's got a statue. How do I put him above that? So that's where it's fun. But it's also maddening because there's never going to be a right answer here. There's no, there's no, no end to the debate. But the debate, what TJ has done, I think I know the top. I know that. I think I know who. I got a feeling I know who's number one. <laughs> and um, the, you know, here I think one of the fights I had with not fights, but one of the things I threw out at Zach the one night, um, I was just like, well, this guy. I, I think I was like, well, Jose's got to be number one. He's the only one that. Out of all these guys, it's actually going to go to the Hall of Fame. And then I, you know, like, then I thought about it, and I'm thinking about it now. Kenny Lofton should have got a better run at the Hall of Fame and is going to get a better run at the Hall of Fame and may beat uh, a guy like Jose in because of, you know, because of how things work now. Um, it's just interesting to, like, what – and this is why baseball is great, right? We're doing this the night before the season starts, whenever this runs – there, no matter how much we don't like the time clock, no matter how much we don't like what Bally's is or is not doing, no matter how we feel, we all can be excited for a baseball game for a hundred different reasons, right? Whether it's the pitching matchup, whether I just want to see Julio Rodriguez, whether I want to see, you know, like, I think that dynamic, and I love all sports, and I'm not here just, you know, baseball's the best, but to me, that dynamic of baseball is really cool that I can want to come to the game and I want to see, uh, I was just doing Andres Munoz throw 101 after he throws 15 sliders in a row, even though he throws 101. And then I can sit there and say, why the hell would he throw the fastball? Um, There's just so many different segments of baseball. So in doing a list like this, it's so difficult because how do we put Jose Mesa, his career versus CC Sabathia versus Omar Vizcal? They all did completely different things but they did them really well. That's such a great point. I mean, in my final three, I mean, I can tell you who they, in some order, it's Lofton, Tommy, Manny. Manny, yeah. Those could not be three more different people, players, personalities. And you remember Manny as the goofy idiot who had the sweetest right-handed swing you've ever seen. You remember Tommy as the country boy who would hit balls a mile. And you remember Lofton 
for being the best defensive center fielder you've ever seen, base runner you've ever seen, and a great hitter. And the, like those skill sets are so different. It's amazing the fact that those three were in the same lineup for yeah. six or seven years. And you're right. That's what makes this list difficult. That's what makes it great fun to debate. And it's what makes the sport great. You're, you're right. It takes so many different skill sets. Uh, we could do this for another hour, really. But there were, there were two things that I, I wanted to ask you, Dre, before you left. Okay. Okay. One is something that Zach and I have talked about for like a year. Zach, maybe like a year ago, said, I've had this conversation with Dre like a hundred times. And we're on the topic of lists, so it makes sense. Where I, th- I think you're going to bring this up 52 minutes yes, in. Yes, I'm going to debate how, this for years. How I'm going to come back. How can this we let him escape without talking about this thing that you've brought up on the show a hundred times? The Oscar Gonzalez really brought this to light. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you like to ask Dre how? What do we miss? What do we miss in evaluation of prospects where Oscar Gonzalez can come up and have a a, a big season, a big postseason? Nolan Jones has a stretch where he's okay and then fades away and gets traded doesn't even make the Rockies roster that's not to say yeah, that's, that? that's not the end of his his big league no. career but Nolan Jones was always kind of viewed as a, a solid can't miss not can't miss that he's going to be a star but just can't miss that he's going to be a major leaguer and yet here's right. Oscar Gonzalez this volatile prospect who has earned the right field job and he's going to get an opportunity to prove that he is the guy that he was this past year. How, what are scouts? What are the numbers? What what are we missing on this where Jones can be up here and Oscar Gonzalez can get left off a 40-man roster? The depth of this question is so deep. and I, So I want to say the right thing because I never want this conversation to stop. And it kind of starts off of what we started with about scouting. The easy way I'll say it right now, Teach, is um, – and we kind of hear – you, we all know. I think we have to start watching guys not knowing what that what Keith Law says, and Keith Law is pretty good. Um, I think I think with anything else, information is everything, and for whatever reason, and we'll use the players that we're using right now because they're they're the easy, the easy one for all of us and the people that are that are watching listening to your podcast. I think with Nolan Jones because you know his name right away, and he's drafted, and, he, and he's tangible to see who he is, right? His size, there's easy to find clips online. You can read about them and you, you, you understand the, you know, like all of us kind of like in our heads, like, cause we're from Northeast Ohio. So for me growing up, if a kid was from Northeast Ohio and played football, he was tough. Even though he might not be in my mind, Northeast Ohio, tough kid. Um, with Nolan Jones, we can go where he's from, where he grew up, brother plays hockey, easy to like easy. That's easy. That's attainable information. That's easy to, you know, to, to make sense in your mind. Where Oscar Gonzalez, there isn't really a lot. There's a couple paragraphs. Maybe you see a grainy picture, um, and then you read the negative things, like we all do. We you know, all swings too much, does this too much. I think the naked eye still wins, right? And I said this to Zach, and it was, and I have I, Nolan Jones is a really good dude. He's a good kid. I hope it works out for him. I hope I hope he starts making more contact. Because it's crazy, he didn't make a team this spring because he could not make contact this spring. He struck out a million times. Where now that Oscar has this small little track record, I know towards the end of tr- spring training, people were kind of like, ah, he hasn't really hit. And then he has a couple games where he hits and everybody's like, all right, he'll be okay. I guess what I want to say quickly, and Zach knows how I feel about this, is that sometimes 
we can read the reports, but we can't make the reports our holy grail without seeing them with our own eyes. If that makes sense. Like it's easy to be like, Oh yeah, he swings too long. Or this is that. Well, let's watch 12 at bats and throw out all the crap we see and say what you see. And then let's mold it together. The thing that the good organizations do, I like, I know Cleveland does this and I know I can name a few that probably don't, um, (laughs) is they try to find ways to remove those inherent automatic biases. Right. And because you have, you have emotions, you have, I mean, you, you laid that out really well. I think when you see, and and this is why I always caution people when you see a trade made and it's, Oh, they got this team's number three prospect and number eight prospect. Yeah. According to MLB pipeline. But is that according to the teams involved in the trade? Because their internal evaluations of those players might be totally different than what you see publicly. And if I would have told you in June of last year or three years ago that Nolan Jones would be traded for a 20-year-old low-A prospect who might be good, I don't know. He's big. Brito's bigger than I thought he would be, by the way. He's he's pretty smooth. But that they'd they'd use Nolan Jones to just kick the can down the road for a younger prospect and that Oscar Gonzalez would be playing right field in the playoffs, you never would have believed it. Would the front office have believed it? Maybe. I don't know. I, I but I think that's I think there's a lot to this discussion, but I think a big part of it is we assume teams evaluate players the same way. Yeah. And we and know don't. that's not the case. Every time you see a trade and you're like, wait, I thought the Guardians were involved in that, that's all they would have had to give up. <laughs> not necessarily. That's not how each team evaluates these prospects. Think about the um, the trade that didn't happen. After Andrew Miller, I can't remember all the names. I mean, we Greg Allen, Yu Chang, Lacroix, yeah, and we and like some people around Cleveland are like, well, the, you know, yeah, they got the reliever, but they screwed up by not getting the catcher. Now we all know down the road that Roberto Perez is up hitting two. You know, he has the t- the month of his life. God bless him. And you never felt like you missed Lucroy. But think of those four guys they were going to trade and who they all became. And no, if you know, like, and I'll admit, at that time, I was kind of caught up in like all the reports. It felt uh, like a lot at that time to give up. Hell right? yeah. And those guys right. didn't pan out. And, and on that note, um, I find it, and I want to say this the right way, because I know it'll get be a good going. You think back to that trade and what they were willing to give up for Jonathan LaCroix. Um, or as my man, Matt Underwood called him Ranger catcher. for <laughs> I love the pettiness. <laughs> look, look, man, Matt is my guy. And I, he takes a lot of crap. But man, he pinpoints and says little things that make that, that he he's my guy. He does things like that that we all have to hit the, the cough button and laugh. <laughs> um, Ranger Catcher was one of my favorite all time. I remember I was like, I'm going to call him his name if if I have to. But as we got into games, nobody wanted to say his name. <laughs> um, the one I want to say to you and 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 Tej, I'll ask you first because I'm curious. I'll let Zach have the time on this, knowing what we know about this organization. And knowing we have no idea what the next five months truly will play out. We all think we do. But I know Zach kind of feels this way, and I'm getting to this point now. They're going to have to make a move. Not because they not because they want to. They're going to have to. And when I look back at like that, and I know times are different from 16. You know where I'm going. How do they package? Who do they package? I am so intrigued by what yeah. they do. 
I mean, we've been saying it for three years now, I feel like. You have, right. you have this, what's becoming a bottleneck of middle infield prospects who all want to play, and you've got your second baseman now locked up who could go play shortstop for you and probably do a pretty right. damn good job at that. There's, you know, we're, we still don't know. Ahmed, maybe he gets locked up I know. to an extension. Right. And so that's not going to make the, the middle infield any easier to figure out. So, yeah, you would think. Now, the thing that, that does work in their favor, they are set up this year. They should have no hesitation. If you go back to the last trade deadline, they weren't ready to pull the trigger on the big move. They weren't really no. in the mix for, like, a Soto when, when that's going down. No, we can look back and with hindsight and say maybe they should have been. But at the time, we, we weren't we, – none of us believe that the Guardians were in that position. Going into this year, the way that it's set up, they should be in that position and you get to the trade deadline, and you got a big number one, number two starter available there. Corbin Burns, say yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Brewers pitcher. <laughs> you got a Brewers pitcher out there. Now, you shouldn't. You shouldn't hesitate because the team is in this position, and they do. They have all of these prospects. They're not. Not only are not all of them going to pan out, but they all can't play either. You can't hold on to them all. And at right. some point, they know that. At some point, Tyler Freeman and Gabriel Arias are wasting away being a utility player on a team like this. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting article to write. Um, <laughs> we make so much, we, we talk so much about the trades they make, but a lot of times it's the trade you don't make. Amen. That ends up putting you in the position you need to be in. Think about, remember, like, they were trying to trade for Todd Frazier like seven, oh eight years God. ago, yeah. and they were going to give up. Like they, the Reds asked for players that they should not have been thinking about giving up, and they made a good decision not trading for him. Like they're, they've been linked to. I mean, TJ, you mentioned this last week, but like Jesse Winker, oh they dodged yeah. a bullet there, right? They were going last year at this time. That was like the big one. Right. That was big, and that was legit. <laughs> so that's that's not to say that. Wait, wait. Let me say something real quick. I think, and if I'm wrong, I'll be told I'm wrong. I think that didn't go through because the Reds were trying to throw money in it. And they were trying to throw Eugenio, Eugenio Suarez into it. Correct. He comes here to Seattle and locks right into the middle of the line. You know, like, so, but you're, I'm agreeing with you. Think about that. They didn't want to do that trade, and it ended up working out perfect for them. The Reds, it worked out for Seattle, though, too. But the one guy's gone, and Suarez is going to be in the starting lineup on opening day still for the Mariners. It's the domino effect. Domino effect on all these things is amazing because if if the Guardians don't sign Jose last year and they trade him to San Diego, then San Diego probably doesn't get Juan Soto, and then maybe he winds up in L.A. I mean, there's New York with the Mets with everybody else. (laughs) But it's the trades you don't make that. I mean, the Lucroy one. I don't know. Would he have put them over the top? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I think I've told you. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the the prospects that we've kicked around. Remember the going back to the Lindor trade. Every you, every Dodgers prospect there was. Oh, Gavin maybe, Lux. Yeah. Gavin, Gavin Lux. Lux. Remember Nick Senzel. Nick Senzel has stunk. Yeah, he's been terrible. Yeah. TJ Nick Senzel was playing in the ninth inning of our game on Sunday when the whole yeah. rest of the team had left for Cincinnati already. <laughs> I was like, damn, what is he doing here still? And four years ago, I would have been like, hell yeah, Nick Senzel. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess yeah. this kind of comes back to what, where we were just talking about with missing on prospects. Right. I will say one thing for the reports and the numbers. I still feel like it's more of a you bet on the things that are projectable for Nolan Jones. Like take the, the names off of it. I tell you, 
This guy walks a lot. He's got power. I can tell you those two things. And then I've got this other player that has some tools, but just likes to swing at stuff outside the strike right. zone. And so you look at, okay, what did players that had those certain skill sets in the past do? And it doesn't mean that they are those players, but I am going to utilize that. It's kind of like going in and, and, and knowing the odds. I, you have, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I tell you that there's a 75% chance that something's going to happen, does it mean that the statistics were wrong when the other 25% comes up? No, but the 25% becomes like, and it, gosh, I knew we could do this all night. <laughs> I would say that 25% is like March Madness though, right? Who has a, who has a 64 <laughs> team or how many damn teams they put in there now? Like at some point, that 25%. <laughs> oh, of course he does. He just put it, what did he just put with his toes like in paint with the dog told him to take? It's about the only <laughs> way you can win in this thing anymore. But I mean, in seriousness, like, like the bunning thing, I like, I know you guys hate bunning. I, I can't commit. That doesn't mean a hundred percent of the time. Thank you. And, and TJ's got the, but I doesn't, I don't want to see bunts. I agree, but dang it. Sometimes when you're off it, like, it's so it's like life. Like you can sit there. Like it's, if you haven't moved guys and you know what it's like teach when you go a week and, and you can't score runs every once in a while, throwing down a bunt and getting guys to second and third and taking the pressure off of a kid, it, it works. And, and it, and it makes an inning go. Now, does it work if you do it every single night? You're going to get fired. But it's nice to have it in your back pocket every once in a while. And I think I, I think the Oscar one was um, – because I agree, the numbers do tell us something. But I also think if we get so caught up in those numbers and not caught up in how people mature and change. Um, we know Oscar – hey, look, Oscar may struggle early on. And it's not going to look good when he struggles because of how he swings. Um, his thing will have to be just like he did in the playoffs and what's helped him survive is just survival modes with two strikes to be able to just flip the ball the other way. He's going to have to live off that when he doesn't have his timing because it doesn't look good. Um, and I think with Nolan, those things are important, but because defensively he never found a position where you can just throw him out there and say, hey, you know, it's a, we saw it with um, our guy that's going to be DHing in Kansas City from Fran Mill. When you don't have a position and you're struggling, it becomes a problem, right? And Nolan Nolan not only couldn't out-hit Oscar, he couldn't out-defend Oscar, and that became one of his big issues as well. And then, I mean, to take it full circle, it comes back to how do you handle adversity? How do, yep. you, how do you seek out ways to improve when pitchers find a way to pitch to you? Or like you said with Nolan Jones, I mean, it's where can you play defensively that they feel comfortable letting you take those lumps. And and that goes back to learning the person and right. the character and the makeup and the the hunger and the work ethic. And on that note, Andre, I know I mean you went you got to know these guys down in the DR over the offseason. Oscar and Ahmed, Jose. When will the people get to see this stuff? Oh, thank you very much. On a Friday on the opener, I believe the opener is on April 8th, I believe. April 7th, which one is it? 7th or 8th? Um, whatever day it is when we do the home opener, afterwards the documentary on Jose Ramirez will premiere uh, on Bally's or whatever station. They say it's going to be Bally's. Uh, whatever station has the Guardian. UAB 43? Oh, they play your favorites. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, we're going to do that. That's going to be, I just, matter of fact, earlier today when I saw you, I was with my man Money Mitch. I had to record some things with that. Um, we got a really cool thing from when we went to, went to the Dominican and we were able to go to Jose's house. 
by the way, Jose has become a father for the second time, and we were around his wife when she was pregnant in January, and it was really cool. Um, it was cool just to see Jose in his house, man, and just to see, like, the same Jose we see walk through the clubhouse. I got to tell you, it was pretty cool to see him in his house shoes doing it in his own house and uh, come over and pop me in the back of the head. But I, I will say this on, on a quick note. I hope everybody gets to watch it, and I think they will. Um, the really cool thing, though, and, and Zach, and, and I want people that watch this podcast to really get is that the one thing I picked up on taking that trip to Dominican, and I've been wanting to do that for a long time, because I've told Jose way back when, you know, I'm coming to Bonnie, and he looked at me and goes, nobody comes to Bonnie. Um, the look on his face to see that I wasn't a liar. Um, there ain't many times at 40, I'll be 45 next week, there ain't many times in this life now where I knock on somebody's door and I see somebody smitten to see me at the door. <laughs> um, it was really cool to see Jose look at me and, and say, you're not lying, you're not lying. Um, to go to a meds and like, I have like, we're going to run something with the med matter of fact, I want to say the week of our games in April 21st, I should have it in front of me. I got it written down somewhere. Um, we're going to do a whole Dominican week in the pregame where we're going to show all the different things I did, uh, in the Dominican. One day we've got me hanging out with a med and his family, one with Oscar and his family. One, we show the, um, international signing, which I would love to talk to you guys more about, um, because it's becoming the backbone of not only the guardians, uh, uh rosters and teams, but. It's kind of how baseball is going right now. And it was one of the hangups last year when they were trying to put the deal together of how to deal with international signing and the draft because you got you, – it's a whole different thing, as you guys know. But we got to film it. I got to be there on the international signing day. My wife was crying like a baby because she was like, it's like these kids are going to college. I was like, no, honey, they're getting $8 million, They're getting $2 million. And, um, but it still is weird to watch 16-year-olds get dropped off, you know, and kind of like the parents take the money. It's like, good luck, kid. Um <laughs> It's, so it's interesting. I'd say the med one is going to mean a lot to me because I got a med to do something that he's, he just doesn't feel comfortable doing. A med, can, a med, speaks, a med comes from a family full of educators, uh, lawyers, doctors. Like they're, I did a whole 20-minute interview with him in English, and he didn't even – like. and his agent came up to me, and his agent goes, Dre, um, I, he said he wasn't going to do this, but you've made him that comfortable. But he, he asked now, can you chill, and can we do it? differently and i was like dude i never thought he was going to say any like i talk to ahmed every day i know ahmed just isn't comfortable doesn't want to be made fun of um so i've got something where you get to hear ahmed just chill out he's warming up on a baseball field in dominican the baseball field looks like something that we've never seen before um there was a team from the, from the college of uh tampa that was there for their spring break which was really cool helping like fix the field up um his family was just tremendous i can't wait till you guys see i think Put it this way, for those that don't want to watch the Met play shortstop, when you watch him and his family and with his dogs, you're going to want him to be your shortstop for the next 20 years. Uh, he, it was so cool. I got Oscar walking around his neighborhood, walking to his grandma's house, walking to the baseball field, literally a home run away from his parents' living room. We're walking by, and there's like eight kids sitting on a stoop at the baseball field. And Oscar literally goes, that kid's going to sign with the Yankees on Thursday for a million. That kid's going to sign with San Diego. For eight hundred thousand, that kid, and it was just, and then Framil Reyes comes around on a on a moped. <laughs> it felt like home. Um, I would say, as being the two that you are, and being the guys that you are, you got to make a trip and do that. It changes the game how they see you and how you see them and how they live. Um, and the videos you're gonna see of where Jose Ramirez grew up playing on, I sent it to Terry Francona, my dad, my mom, and somebody else, and all three of them almost text back immediately and said they had tears in their eyes when you see what jose how little jose came from 
um, and how proud his grandfather and his parents, and the people around Bonnie are of him. Um, it, it tells you so much. I got a story in there. I know I've told it to you, Zach, but I'll give a little bit of it here about the guys he played baseball against growing up. Like he was playing against grown men. Um, some of, some on the seedier side, um, they were games that were basically put together by drug, you know, not good people. And it was played for money. And he saw some nasty things happen to people if they made errors. And I'll never forget Danny Salazar saying Yankee stadium will never impress him. This is what he played. He played against old men and that, that would cut your fingers off. Like he was playing, but he wasn't completely playing. And when I brought that story up to Jose, his eyes got about this big kind of going, how the hell did you know that? So, um, we had that moment. Uh, Rafa that does the um, Spanish for the games for the Cavs, he's helping us out doing some of the uh, speaking for Jose. So I hope people take the time out. It's something something I've been working on. Zach, no, you got it's something I've been wanting to do a long time. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'm 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 proud that we're finally gonna be able to show it. I think, and you know this. I mean, I, I my editor <laughs> like last week said. I think it was when I filed Jose Ramirez on the countdown. He said, man, how many Jose Ramirez features do you write every year? Not at all. I'm like, I'm like, I've written more than anybody. You have, but I've barely scratched the surface. And you know, it's, it's tough because you always hear people say the language barrier. You always say, you know, I wish I knew Spanish. And it's, it's not even that because I took seven years of Spanish. I've done the Duolingo in the off season they speak fast. They have slang. It's just, it's different and it's hard to keep up and and you're still not going to get to know them on a no. personal level. No. And the way to do it is what you did. And I, I mean, I've, I think the story that probably, you know, I think back of all the Jose features I've written, I've written a million, I, you know, I went to, uh, he spoke to an elementary school that was all Spanish speaking students. And like, that was so enlightening to me to see him in that Told the same story about kids go to school. I'm not what I did didn't work. It's not for you. Exactly. It was awesome. I mean, I've played him in Mario Kart. I've I've <laughs> watched. You know, remember last fall, I was trying to write this story to show people who he is, and I'm standing there and I'm thinking like he's not a good quote. He doesn't like talking to the media on the record and all that. And I'm, and then it dawned on me like, just watch how he interacts. Stand yes. back for two weeks and watch how he interacts with every person in that room. Yeah, that's the best way you can tell that's it. That's the best story. He's yeah. Tito. It's what you were saying about Tito. Yeah. You can't this... get him to talk about himself. His like, I, like I sit next to him during games. Like I will die with the best Jose watching a starting pitcher and breaking him down to me. Like only Jose can. Happens. It's in Spanish. It's in every language. To be honest with you, but baseball, I can tell you. Like he told me um, in the playoff game, McClanahan, right, for the Braves, hit the home run. Op- he was right-handed, hit it Oppo. He told Med in the first inning. You're gonna to have to hit a change up. He goes, that asshole ain't good. That is, I'm not. I don't want to say whatever say the fuck you it's want. Not, no, it's not about your podcast. It's about I don't want the player knowing. He called him a bitch. But, <laughs> but, but it was no one's, bitch no one's watching this deep in this show anymore. <laughs> basically, this bitch ain't gonna throw us a fastball. Get ready to hit his off speed. Get ready. I tell that because his intellect and how do you like, he's not going to be able to break down to you that that's how smart he is, but by watching him and listening to him and watching and knowing that McClanahan was getting up to 96, 97 and he called it after like eight pitches, this bitch ain't coming to us hard. Like you got to get ready. And like the whole team changed the way they went against him. Now he had success, but when the game was on the line, the guy that 10 minutes into the game was just like, 
He ain't coming at us with that. You better prepare for change-ups and curveballs. That's Jose Ramirez. And the nice thing he's, I was just going to say, the nice thing is he connects with so many different people that going back to 2016 when he and Napoli had a relationship and people would say, those don't look like they they would get together in the clubhouse. But he forms relationships with everybody. So when he notices this kind of stuff, he can pass that down to everybody. And yeah. who's gonna who's not gonna take that advice from him? Who's not gonna take I, that and run with it? Andres Jimenez has 107 million reasons why today, Jose. <laughs> um, he died. I mean, I he because he became exact Zach knows I'm gonna say this. He's become mini Jose in many ways. He's watched him, he's quiet, he's not like Jose personality-wise. But as a player, he was smart enough to come over right away, and it got him in trouble his first year. Because he was kind of like, I'm bigger than him. I can, I can do the things he's doing. But he's been smart enough to, like, pick up on why this guy's so good. And there were times – I said this on the uh, the, the Cespedes pod. Um, it just – During your nationwide tour? Yes. Hey, man, you guys – this is this is it. I'm back to A to Z after this, baby. <laughs> um, good. It's draft the, season. I know. That's why – What are they doing with number 73? Who gives a rat? You know what? They better trade and get somebody that can catch. <laughs> That's what they should do. And a left tackle, if you want the truth. Because Jen, well, we ain't need doing. 30 minutes on OBJ hugging Stefanski. I, oh, I thought of that. When I saw that, I was like, oh, Hiram's going to lose his shit. Um, <laughs> but to me, I, I know it's a hard one to, to angle up. But to me, the Jose's coming out party home run was against the Twins when he pissed Paul Molitor off. And last year, Hemi's coming out party was when he pissed off Dick Brimmer and put him to sleep against Minnesota. I think that Jose's got so much of an impact on Andres that we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. And I think you alluded to it, and I'm sure we'll see more in your piece, but the peop- the public, and even us, we have no idea yeah. how these guys have to fight to survive in this game as they're growing up. I mean, Jose was out of school at 12. Yeah. And it's baseball or nothing, and it's not, it's not a great process. It's not and glamorous. There's not it, there's not running water around where they're at, but they have a joy for life that we don't have that I truly respect. And this is why can, I was just gonna say this is why things like the World Baseball Classic mean something to these Amen. Players. Yes. And America but teach and I know we're up against it. I could do a whole world baseball classic uh, talk because I loved it. And I, I think as Americans, we're start we better be careful. Like, the best player in the game is not from here. I, and I would go as far as to say maybe the top three players aren't from here. Um, we, we better wake up. Like, uh, people are loving our game, and they're playing it better than us now. Wake up. <laughs> I didn't get hooked until the end, and hooked is strong. But if if we're going to accept having the XFL, why can't we accept having the WBC? <laughs> No, no shit. Good point. Thank you. Good point. Hey, the Browns' next uh, right tackle may be in the XFL. That's why. By the way, Sea Dragons minus three and a half this weekend. I love that they put it on the on the line on the ticker. <laughs> like as Bowers is trying to figure out where to put the timing clock on our on your, yeah, they just say screw it. Here's what you can bet in this game. <laughs> All right, Jay. Well, you mentioned uh, no one being as happy as as Jose was to see you on his front doorstep. I don't know. I was equally as happy to see your face pop up and. We can, first of all, get past whatever we, it took for us just to get this show started. But also, <laughs> second of all, get past the like five years it took to get you back on the show. We've come a long way. Actually, maybe we haven't. But there were times where you should just pop in when we were recording at the <laughs> ballpark. 
this is a little bit more fun. We can kind of sit down and do this. Let's do it more often, please. Yes. Seriously. I'm, yeah. I'm big fans of you guys. I want to do it more often because my uh, minute baseball talk on A to Z just doesn't cut it. Can we get all four of us in a room? I want to see Zach squirm. Hey, we actually went to the MAC tournament together in a car. And um, uh, the CFO of A to Z, if you know him, he saw us in the, in the where you can make bets at downtown now. And he screamed out, A to Z, <laughs> He wanted us to record in my car on the way home. I was like, no thanks. <laughs> all right, Dre, we'll let you get out of here. But we do appreciate it, buddy. It was a lot of fun. And uh, like you said, I can't wait to do it again because – I tr- truth be told, I had like five or six things, and I'm like, I gotta ask Dre this. I didn't get to like four of them, so whatever. let's do them back. At, let's do it again in April when you guys got nobody. Get me, and let's do it again. You want a bottle of red or a bottle of white tonight at the steakhouse? Ooh, I don't know if we're going to the steakhouse still. I'll let you know shortly. I think uh, there may have been a audible call. I'll, I'll keep you updated. We'll let everyone know. Red the, though, if you see me. We'll let everyone know in the Discord. I can't right afford now. it. My identity was stolen. <laughs> That's an all snap. <laughs> you, you, hey, you're starting to get like Hoinsey, see? Now I'm going to have to call you Chubby Hoinsey. <laughs> How many belts are you wearing, Zach? All right, we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Peace. Be good, boys. <laughs>